Let's turn in our Bibles now as we begin this series called Born. Born. Because we needed Him. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. This is where we move into the brightness. This is where we move into the anticipation. This is where we move into the joy that Christmas is and will be in our lives. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. And these are the very words of God to you. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive the adoption as sons. I remember my mom and my dad... My sister, I only have one sibling, and I, on what turned out to be a long 24-mile road trip from Quincy, Florida, the little town I was raised in, Tallahassee, the big capital city, to the airport for the purpose of putting my father on an airplane to leave us to go to a place that was far away called Vietnam. He literally had to show me on the globe where he was going. I knew it was in the Far East. I'd been watching it on the news, but I wasn't quite exactly sure where where my dad was actually spatially going to be. And I remember the the kind of sad and dramatic goodbyes. I remember really watching my mom as she kiss my father goodbye. I remember how we were pulled back. Back in those days, pre-9-11, you could actually go to the gate and, and be at the window. Some of you don't are, are young enough that you don't remember that. And there we were. And, and I remember what it felt like uh, when that plane was lifted into the air and finally disappeared out of sight. And then something else began that was just as hard is watching him leave, waiting. Dad wasn't going on a business trip for a week or two. He was gone for a couple of years. I don't remember exactly how long those tours of duty were, but it was for uh, somebody 10 years old. It was a long time. And I do have a lot of understanding and appreciation for those of you, and we have had and have people in this church whose spouse is is deployed and lives somewhere on the other side of the world. Uh, I think that as hard as this was for me, I know it was harder for my mom. Because my mom not only had to wait, my mom had to run everything while she waited. Waiting. Christmases came and went. School years ended while we waited. But one amazing day. I'll never forget it either. He was there. He was with us. And I tell you, the world seemed to be put right in a moment. Kind of felt like Christmas. 
And Christmas is about waiting for something. Centuries upon centuries of waiting. And Christmas is about the, the moment that that waiting was answered and more than answered beyond anything we could have ever imagined in Christ. Galatians 4, 4 and 5, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of adoption as sons. And, and this morning I want to look at this, this verse as we begin. It's, this sermon is called Born in Time. We're going to kind of start from eternity and move into Advent. I want to begin with just two concepts, and they are time and space. Because that's what God entered for me and you. The first is time, and, and, and it's so wonderful. In the fullness of time, some versions say at just the right time, God sent His Son. It has to do with the fact that, that God was before time, that God stands over time, and that God, at a precise moment, entered time at just the right time. Jesus' existence didn't begin when, when he was conceived in the, the womb of the, the Virgin Mary. Now, your existence and mine began with your conception. Yeah, with your conception. I, I tell you, by the time you were born, you've been hanging around for about nine months. You've been here a long time by the time you were born. In fact, you probably kicked just to let your mama know you were there. The Son of God is not like us in this regard. The, the Son of God existed before. The Son of God, we read, at a particular moment was sent from one place to another. He, he always existed. You remember that, that beautiful verse in the beginning of John's Gospel? In the beginning was the Word. This is Jesus. And the Word was with God. And the Word, help me, was God. And the Word, God, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the one and only, sent, begotten by the Father, full of grace and truth. The great mysteries of our faith is what's called the Trinity. One God, who is relationship, who is love Himself, one God, three persons in perfect unity and love and joy and happiness. In his book, by the way, I think the best book John Piper ever wrote was called The Pleasures of God. If you want to read a John Piper book, I really like that one the best. In his book, The Pleasures of God, John Piper says, and I love this, he says, A great part of God's glory is his happiness. This, this relationship, this joy, this love. God's glory consists much in the fact that He is happy beyond our wildest imagination. And He adds, no one would want to spend eternity with an unhappy God. And why did God create us? Not because He was lonely, because He wanted to share this love, this joy. 
with others made in his image that he wanted to show them glory and he put them in a garden so that they could know him and be loved by him, relate to him and with each other. And it was beautiful. It was amazing. And then it was severed. And it was severed because man decided we don't want to live in a relationship with God. We, we don't want to live under his beneficent goodness. We're not going to trust that his goodness is enough. We're going to step out of his goodness and make our own way, our own choices, independent of him. The, 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 the primary problem there in the Garden of Eden is that man was not content to be the creature before the Creator any longer. You shall be like God, you see. Seize it. Make your own life. And they did. And then there was their expulsion from the garden and from God's immediate spatial presence and relationship. And then there were the curses on a fallen world cut off from that holy God. Then, Genesis 3.15, there was the prophecy. One, I want you to think about Galatians 4, 4 and 5, that one will be born a woman. Son, woman. One will be born of a woman and he will crush the head of the serpent. He will reverse this curse, and, and he will bring you back into my arms. This was the prophecy of a Savior, of a Messiah. The fullness of time, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. What is that about? Under the law means under the curse of the law, under God's perfection that we can never meet because we have gone out from his perfect rule and, his, and, and relationship of love. And so Jesus is under the law with us. To redeem those who are under the law. And why does he redeem us? We read in Galatians 4, 4 and 5. So that we can have the benefits again, the full rights of being his adopted children. Jesus came for no other reason than to take us right back up into the arms of God. This deliriously happy God who wants and still wants to share not only the vision of his glory, but his love and his joy and relationship with him and with other people. But you know, all that being fulfilled came down to a moment. Remember those clocks in school with that second hand that kind of almost vibrated when it ticked? Like obnoxiously loud. One of those happened. One of those ticks. And that was the moment. It came down to one tick on a clock the fullness of time. And it teaches us that, that this happened on what we might call God's perfect schedule. Now, I'm, I'm going to just take a little, a little side trip here because I just think it's interesting and I hope you do too. But we're not exactly sure why that was the perfect time when that, that second hand ticked and, and the angel announced to Mary, that she would conceive, and that second hand ticked, and she conceived, and Christ was here, and that second hand ticked, and Christ was born. 
in Bethlehem. We're not sure exactly why the precise time. And, and I will, it was back then, you know, back in the ancient days. But I will say that a lot of, some of the, some of the attitude uh, of, of skepticism that I hear kind of looks down on Jesus for lots of reasons. But, but one of the reasons we're told that, that I'm not sure I could believe in him is because he was born a long time ago. You know, that he wasn't born in the modern age. He wasn't born in the time of the internet to show everybody this and television and, and all the things that we have. You know, because, because the time we live, of course, is the most important time in the world. Of course, bar- nothing barely happened before we showed up. And there's just like this arrogance back, you know, when people were simple, kind of stupid, like religious Kind of plain, kind of gullible, you know, back in those, those old days. Like, I'm going to worship a Jewish carpenter from a backwoods town in Galilee, born in the Stone Age? Right. You see how we just kind of have this attitude. Actually, about the timing of God. But God in His Word tells us it is God's. Settled opinion that this was the right time. And I think we have a little bit of a conflict about how great we are now compared to ancient days. Um, there were some things about that time that were unique in history, if you'll allow me to just tick off a few, that are just not true now. If God had waited until now, it would not have been as, as perfect of timing. For, for one... Don't you understand that the Romans ruled the entire civilized world at that moment? Can you imagine a world where there's only one language, there is, excuse me, a language that everybody speaks, and that was the Greek language, that's why the New Testament's written in Greek. I'm not going to get, it has to do with Alexander the Great, but I'm not going to get into it. But just imagine a world where missionaries don't have to go to language school. Everybody, anybody in the entire world can hear the gospel. That was the world. And it was only at this time that that ever happened. And it has not been repeated since. It was at this time that there was one government, the Roman Empire, and there weren't all these wars and factions and places cordoned off from the gospel. Literally, an entire empire was under what historians call the Pax Romana or the Roman peace. You could go anywhere. No wars, no national boundaries. That's certainly not true now. And it was the first time in history that there was a highway system Arteries, like the bloodstream, like the corpuscles of the gospel that could go out to the ends of the earth. Now, I realize that we have an internet now. I realize that we can send everything to the ends of the earth in a second now, but you can't do it in one language. And you can't do it without boundaries and without national borders. Simply put, these, are, these were ideal conditions and, and just kind of throw in the fact that the, the Jewish synagogues had gone out through the whole empire and the teaching of one God had just taken root and people had kind of heard that for a long time, setting the stage for the apostles to explain who this one God is and what the fulfillment of the scriptures actually looked like in Jesus. I mean, isn't this cool? 
And after all the waiting, there was a, a second of a particular minute of a particular day when Gabriel came to Mary and when she conceived and when he was born. So first is this idea of time, in the fullness of time. God, who is above time, stepped into time. Time and space. The second one is about space. By space, I don't mean space, the final frontier, that kind of space. I just mean that you've got to be in one place at one time. You have to occupy space, spatial, limitation, by where you are. You can only be in one place, one space, at one time. And, and there was an actual moment when Christ was sent. Christ literally left heaven and arrived here. Tick here. With us. That's the, the name of the Savior. God with us. Emmanuel. And uh, the infinite second person of God confines himself to a human body. You know, Jesus could only be in one place at one time during his earthly ministry. Into our time. Into that Space into a human body, into a human life. For us humans, as one poet puts it, named James Halls, for God to become a baby, he had to squeeze himself into a small space, confine himself in a womb. Isn't that great? That the eminent God had to squeeze himself into a very small space, a woman's womb, into a body restrict himself by humanity, become weak and vulnerable, rely on humans to take care of him. For Christ to become one of us, he had to be born like us. The bread of life had to learn how to eat. The one who holds the world first had to be held. The one who is called the way first had to learn to walk. The word had to first learn and speak. Love himself was first loved by a mom and dad. Time and space. The infinite, omnipresent God for us squeezed into a womb, into a human body, into a family, into a small town, into a synagogue in a small town, into a carpenter's shop in a small town, and finally fastened onto a cross. Because that was him. And it was all of him in a body, fastened onto that cross for you and me. This is Christmas. The eternal word of God took on flesh and dwelt among us and loved us and taught us and redeemed us. It is, when you think about Christmas, it is an amazing condescension. We don't have enough CPUs in our brain to get our arms around the incarnation. What it really was like for infinite God to be squeezed into that space. Theologians have these two kind of phases of, of Jesus' life here and ministry and continue. It's called the, the humiliation of Christ. 
And then the exaltation of Christ. And you think that you start the humiliation of Christ with the crucifixion. No, you don't. No, properly you start it with God in one of our bodies. That is utterly humiliating for God. For him to become one of us. Just like us, in fact. Except without sin. I want you to listen to these verses. You can tell I found some poetry this week. These verses by Rod Hamilton, it captures the the infinite entering the ordinary. The glorious into time and space. The infinite into the ordinary. God is on the way, he says. God is on the way. The mother is laboring. The father is pacing. The stable is readying. The world is waiting. And the promise is breaking through. Breaking through. In the fullness of time, God sent somebody who was already there, his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who are under the law. And this Advent, in our celebration of this moment that God broke through, you know, Advent has to do with, it's kind of like the Advent, like the, the, the breaking through, the moment. It's, it's filled with anticipation. You know, some people look at Advent and they go, I don't know if I like Advent because you have to pretend like it hasn't happened. No, you don't. <laughs> you know, there's a reason. There's a reason that we, we kind of just jump into the story for an entire month. We just live in our lives. We're, we're living and people are stepping on us and we're stepping on other people and there's a lot of joy and there's a lot of pain. And then suddenly, just in this last part of the year, we say, stop everybody. This is what we're going to look at for a month. We're going to get into the story. We're going to read the scripture. We're going to put ourselves into the story because we need Jesus. And there's going to be a sense of anticipation that God will give us. And maybe we'll realize again this incredible need we have for Christ. Not just to be saved, but we just need God. Who is connected with us by being one of us. We need Emmanuel. And it's like we're waiting along with them. It's like we're waiting through the night. In need of fresh good news for our lives right now. Couldn't couldn't you use some fresh good news? Some fresh grace in your life? As one author puts it, in Advent, we might find ourselves, we might find that we have moved to the edge of our seats. So as we kind of go on this journey together, maybe it will just be so incredible. Maybe God will really open our minds and our hearts that we'll kind of be on the edge of our seats as we bring our lives to the wonder of what God did at just the right time. That last poem I read was by a man named Rod Hamilton, and he concludes his poem this way. So we gather the bewildered, the brokenhearted, the fragile, and the hopeful humans who needed for God to be born. Isn't that great? In the fullness of time, at just the right time, God, tick, 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 God sent His Son from that world into this world, into time and space, as one of us, 
born of a woman, born under the law to deal with the curse, to deal with the separation that we have from God for our redemption, just so he could take us back up into his arms again as his adopted children and love us and bring that joy and love, that relationship restored with him brings. I'm not saying you've got to get saved again if you're already a believer. I'm just saying maybe it's just time to really think how beautiful and essential and needed this really is. So let's sing a song of longing and waiting met in Jesus. O come, O come, Emmanuel. But let's pray before we do. Lord, as we begin this journey together, God, it's just us. It's just us. You know us. Lord, you know how fragile and, and brokenhearted and, and struggling we are. It's just us, God. Help us to embrace that. Help us not to pretend that we're anything other than human beings that needed for God to be born. Oh Lord, would you lift our eyes to the wonder of the Incarnation. Help us realize that amazing moment in time that you came for our rescue. Lord, would you help that to matter and inform our lives, what we're going through, who we are relating to. Lord, would you let your love wash over us like a wave of conquering love sent from heaven, Emmanuel himself, who has loved us. And Lord, would you help some folks also see that they can't reach you on their own? Would you bring new life to people in this Advent season through the first real recognition of the meaning of the incarnation, God taking on flesh for our salvation. And we will praise you. We pray in Jesus' name.